Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Kristen. And this is Molly. Molly, as you well know, Shark Week of Discovery Channel in which everything shark takes over the airwaves. Tracy Jordan's favorite week. Tracy Jordan's favorite week, yes, for fans of uh, 30 Rock, which we probably shouldn't plug because it's on a different <laughs> network from Discovery Channel. But still, Shark Week is coming up. So we're going to talk about sharks yeah. today. And Molly, how, how on earth can we talk about sharks in relationship to women? It seems pretty disconnected, right? No, I see a very obvious connection. Oh, Molly, do, do explain. Well... The thing I always think about sharks, I think it's a big urban myth that's out there, is that sharks can smell blood from miles away. Mm -hmm. And obviously, without getting too crude about it, this is of particular importance to women because there's a particular time of the month Mm -hmm. in which we release uh, between 50 and 150 milliliters of blood. And I think I've heard about that. (laughs) It's called menstruation. All right, Molly. So, yeah, the question, the, the big question is, should should we really avoid swimming the ocean if we are on our periods because we're basically shark magnets? Yeah. Let's talk about it. Okay. Let's talk about sharks' incredible sense of smell. Because the fact of the matter is sharks can smell blood from a very long distance away because they have some pretty incredible nasal anatomy. Right, Molly? Yeah. Sharks are sometimes known as swimming noses because they just can smell so well. Imagine being... Uh, in like this vat of like 10 billion things, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's only one part of those 10 billion things that's like fish extracts. Uh-huh. You put the shark in there with the 10 billion things, it can smell the fish. One out of 10 billion things, it will smell. That's incredible. And like, let's say you get in a swimming pool, Kristen, and then we put a teaspoon of vanilla or cinnamon or something smelly in there. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to smell it? Probably not. Probably not. I can't smell underwater, obviously. Well, sharks can, and they could smell something just that tiny, a teaspoon. So, yes, something that's as far away, like let's say you get this huge gaping cut mm-hmm. in the ocean. Yeah. You step on a shell or something. Oh, God. And there's blood. Yes, the shark will smell that. All right. Well, the the cool thing to me, I thought the cool thing about shark noses was that they have one nasal opening just dedicated to bringing water in. They actually suck the water into their nose. And the other side of the nose is dedicated to just flushing that water out. And the reason they can sense that, what was it, the one billionth particle in the water is because they have these nasal sacs that are filled with sensory cells that will analyze all of the different, uh, different cells in the, in the water that they sniff up and then release it back. And then their brain is able to, to track down ex- the specific, um, pheromones and of potential mates or sense of their prey. Um, so they can know exactly when um, they've sniffed up some some blood and need to go on the attack. Yeah, and actually, you know, you were talking about these sensory cells. Two-thirds of the shark's brain is dedicated to that sort of machinery that helps them figure out, what am I smelling? Is mm-hmm. it prey? Is it a mate? And so they bas- basically have smell on their mind all the time. Yeah, so now that we know that sharks have incredible senses of smell, are they more finely tuned to blood and I hate to be gross, but to period blood. To menstrual blood. Menstrual blood. So there's really no way to study this, Kristen. That's going to be sort of, you know, the cop-out answers. And Tilly put a bunch of 
menstruating women into an ocean and a bunch of non-menstruating women into the ocean at the same time and see if, like, one of the groups is more prone to get attacked by a shark? There's no way to answer the question. Might be hard to find participants for that study. Exactly. I know that I'd sign up for that one. That's the problem, is it will never probably be definitively proved. Well, according to George H. Burgess, of uh, who manages the International Shark Attack Files, he says that any bodily fluid is attractive to sharks. But this also includes urine. So if you are using the bathroom in the giant toilet that is the ocean, uh, that could be attracting sharks in addition to blood. But he also thinks that blood is probably the most attractive organic fluid. But some other researchers, notably a guy named Carl Edmonds, who is no relation to me, uh, theorizes that while sharks can yes, smell the blood and they're attracted to some blood, probably like a blood from a cut, menstrual blood might be a little different. It might be sort of considered a dead organic blood, mm-hmm. and thus it actually repels sharks. But again, like I said, until we've got some sort of study where women are going to get in the ocean and swim around, it's really not going to be... We're not going to be able to tell if sharks are repelled by it or not. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news is that statistics are on... Women's side. The good news, the good news the for good news. Our female <laughs> listeners. Right. The good news for female listeners is that we are way less likely to be attacked by a shark than a man. Uh, and that's basically because men are just more often engaged in riskier behaviors in the water, such as swimming farther out or going deep sea diving or doing spear fishing and things like that. For instance, uh, according to the International Shark Attack Files, from 1990 to 2008, 83% of divers who were the victims of unprovoked shark attacks were men, and only 17%. Or women. And that number is starting to even out a little bit more as more women, um, are doing scuba diving. But still, men, men are the ones getting, getting bitten. But even those that get bit, that's pretty rare, isn't it? Don't you have some statistics about how rare it is to be attacked? Well, not only is it rare to be attacked by a shark, it's even more rare to be attacked and die from a shark. According, once again, to the International Shark Attack Files, from 1959 to 2007, nearly 2,000 people have died from being struck by lightning, but only 23 have died from shark attack. I like my odds. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're way more likely to die by being struck by lightning than dying from shark attack. Well, don't say it like that, because I have a fear of being struck by lightning, but... Oh, Molly, I think, well, that's another podcast topic to talk about. <laughs> but back to sharks and blood. I think the other thing, you know, we mentioned 50 milliliters to 150 milliliters of blood. That's an entire period. So, like, let's say you're going diving for a few hours. You're not going to be releasing that much. Right. But I think the safest thing we can say is wear a tampon. Right. And this is the same uh, the same advice that goes for women who are out in the wild, who camping. are camping, right? Because the same kind of urban myth about sharks being attracted to menstrual blood has been extended to grizzly bears also being attracted to menstrual blood. Like if you're on your period, don't go camping because bears is going to hunt you down and eat you. But we found this article in Backpacker Magazine that basically says that if you are on your period and you're wearing a tampon and you are being sure to dispose of them properly and far away from the tent area, you should be just fine. Yeah, and what was most interesting to me about this article was it uh, explained where this myth comes from in terms of bears, and I'm sure it's probably something similar with sharks. But basically, back in the 60s, uh, some women were killed 
by bears in Glacier National Park. And a staffer said, oh, they're probably on their period. And that was the soundbite that got picked up and repeated by all the news sources. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know where the shark blood thing came from, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's sort of the same thing. And in researching all of this, we did find that there are a few potential risks if you're going diving, deep sea diving, uh, if you are on your period. Yeah, this is not uh, strictly proven by science yet, but basically some researchers have done work that suggests that at certain points uh, in your menstrual cycle, particularly if you're on oral contraceptive pills, you might be more susceptible to decompression illness, a.k.a. the bends. Uh, but, you know... I don't think this is any reason to necessarily sit out a deep sea diving trip uh, if you feel okay. Obviously, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling gross, which can happen, you know, maybe be a little more careful. Don't go as deep. Don't go as long, mm-hmm. etc. You know, play it easy. But, you know, when we were researching this, we saw a lot of articles that were like women who are on their periods can't go swimming because of sharks. And I think we need to stop blaming the sharks for us not getting out there and getting in the water. Yeah, it's just fine if you get out there and get in the water. And the one thing that I try to remember when I go to the beach, Molly, is that sharks are most active at night. And so if you go swimming between general office hours, between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., you should be safer in general. And just be smart in the water. You don't have to worry about uh, your period somehow attracting them. It's going to be more of your activity, like things like wearing um, shiny, reflective jewelry while you're swimming will attract them. Um, actual open wounds, like you said, if you step on a shellfish or, or a shell and your foot starts bleeding, that's that might be more of a problem. But it's more just common sense things of staying safe in, in the water will keep you safe from sharks. And also remember, far more likely to be Killed by lightning. Sorry, Molly, to play on your phobia, but <laughs> but that's okay. I will I will uh, settle for being one of those sort of like commercials that tells women not to let that time of the month slow them down, which yeah. I think is what we've done today. That's right, ladies. Just put on those swimsuits and go for it. Speaking of going for it, if you are gung ho for sharks and want to go for some more shark info. Man, oh man, is there a lot of it out there. Of course, we've got sharkweek.com, frenziedwaters.com. And after you've had your fill of online information, it's time to watch some television. Oh, yeah. Shark Week is happening on Discovery Channel from August 2nd through 8th. And uh, probably after you watch all that, if you not are not terrified of sharks, you probably will be. So listen to this podcast again so yeah. you can <laughs> get revved up to go back to the beach yeah. one last time before the summer sun fades. Oh, well, that was kind of a downer. So let's end on an up note with listener mail. Listener mail. Okay. Um, today I wanted to read an email we got from Katie. Uh, she wrote in response to our podcast about whether men or women are happier. And, you know, during that, we were talking a lot about the role a career might play in terms of a woman's happiness. And she gave us a good perspective, I think, that, you know, neither Kristen nor I have right now, which is that of a stay-at-home mom. So this is what uh, Katie wrote. As you discussed why women may or may not be happier, you spoke with the assumption that a woman has to have a career outside the home to be to feel fulfilled or be happy. This is this is an assumption that everyone makes, but I feel it is very wrong. I I am a woman with a college education and who is perfectly capable of having a great career, but who has chosen to stay at home because I feel very strongly that the most important thing I will do is raise my children. On one hand, being a stay-at-home mom is very challenging, so I can understand how people see it as incapable of making someone happy. It is a 24-7 job. Rewards or acknowledgments are few and far between. 
No one is ever going to promote you or give you a raise. It is often monotonous and alienating and so on and on. However, with great sacrifice comes great rewards. Raising children is very fulfilling as you get to see your children discover the world and become their own people. Study after study also states that nothing affects how people turn out more than their parents. So I feel that the things I do with my children will have long and lasting effects into the future. It is a job where you can really focus on altruism and relationships and all the things that studies say make you happy. Very interesting. Thanks so much for writing in, Katie. Uh, And Molly, I have a letter here from Cindy, who was writing in response to our episode on Chiclet. She said, hey, Molly and Kristen, in your latest podcast, you mentioned that your female readers didn't read many Chiclet titles. I just like to point out that the sample may not be very representative of the population at large. While Stuff Mom Never Told You is targeted largely at a female listeners, I did not find it until I listened to other How Stuff Works podcasts and suspect others had similar experiences. The website itself, meaning HowStuffWorks.com, may not be attracting all the same readers as, say, Nora Roberts' novels. It's like how Cosmo surveys would show women to be more sexually active than those surveys done by public health organizations. Just my two cents. Love your podcast and keep up the great work. Thanks for the two cents, Cindy. I think that's a that's an interesting point she made. It's an interesting point. I could see how that could happen, but I think all our listeners can help broaden our base by telling all their friends about stuff mom never told you. Shameless right. plug. And keep sending us your reading list because we are going to keep reading them on each episode. Yes, I think we have one for today. Indeed we do, Molly. Um, this is from Shannon. And Shannon, first of all, had... A very interesting tidbit that a few of you guys have sent in about J.K. Rowling. Uh, she said that uh, the publishers were concerned that boys wouldn't read a book written by a woman. And so they encouraged uh, J.K. Rowling to actually go by that uh, that pseudonym. Instead yeah, to of use her, her initials. Name. Yeah, yeah, to use her initials. Uh, Shannon also just finished reading The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara King Solver. And it is a heavy read, so she is now reading what she calls a trashy little paperback. Which is a good strategy. Usually if I've got to read something heavy, I balance it out with something light, something kind of easy. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, folks, if you would like to get in touch with me and Molly, please send us an email at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And you can always check out our blog, How To Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And finally, for more information on virtually any and everything, why don't you just head on over once again to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?